Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we take history's greatest disasters and tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today, we'll be discussing the Chernobyl nuclear meltdown. Let's get started. The Chernobyl power plant was a nuclear power plant in the former USSR, located in northern Ukraine. It was responsible for 10% of Ukraine's electricity at the time of the disaster. On the early morning of April 1986, an explosion at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant's reactor number four caused the worst nuclear disaster in history. The explosion and subsequent fire resulted in large quantities of radioactive iodine and cesium being released into the air, 
The toxic cloud reached neighboring Belarus and parts of Russia and Europe. The nearby town of Pripyat, built to house workers at Chernobyl, went from a population of almost 50,000 people before the accident to zero, making it an atomic ghost town. On the morning of the accident, the reactor operating staff were, ironically, conducting a safety test. Things went wrong when, according to Reuters, facility operators in violation of safety regulations had switched off important control systems and allowed the reactor to reach unstable, low-power conditions. At 1.23 a.m., a power surge led to a series of blasts which blew off the reactor's heavy steel and concrete lid. Chernobyl is one of only two nuclear energy disasters rated at seven, the maximum severity on the international nuclear event scale, the other being the 2011 Fukushima Daiichi nuclear disaster in Japan. In all, 50 million curies of radiation were released into the atmosphere, the equivalent of 500 Hiroshima bombs. Fun facts, a.k.a. death stats. The number of direct and indirect deaths related to Chernobyl vary. Approximately 30 men died from immediate blast trauma and acute radiation syndrome, ARS, in the seconds to months after the disaster. According to Reuters.com, while the Chernobyl Forum, a group of eight UN agencies, said some 4,000 people will die as a result of radiation exposure, the Chernobyl Union of Ukraine, a non-government body, estimates the present death toll from the disaster at almost 734,000. Death by radiation poisoning is slow and painful, shown with gruesome accuracy in HBO's 2019 miniseries, Chernobyl. What will happen to our boys? The divers. The divers, the firefighters, the men in the control room. What does the radiation do to them, precisely? Oh, the levels. Some of them are exposed. Ionizing radiation tears the cellular structure apart. The skin blisters, turns red and black. This is followed by a latency period. The immediate effects subside. The patient appears to be recovering. Healthy even, but they aren't. This usually only lasts for a day or two. Then the cellular damage begins to manifest. The bone marrow dies. The immune system fails. The organs and soft tissue begin to decompose. The arteries and veins spill open like sieves. To the point where you can't even administer morphine for the pain, which is unimaginable. Within three days to three weeks, you're dead. Well, today we have a very special guest with us, Sir Paul F. Tompkins. (laughs) (laughs) He asked me to call him Sir. Rebecca! What? Why would you tell people that? Why? That oh no! Off my conversation. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was spontaneous. <laughs> but Paul, we thought you'd be a perfect guest because tell us about a disastrous tweet you had regarding Chernobyl. You know, like most people, uh-huh. I watched all of the the Chernobyl miniseries on HBO. Mm. Uh, I it was. So fascinating. I wasn't as into it as everyone else was. My wife was absolutely 100% 
invested in this. Yeah. And I, I it, like I watched it. I thought it was good, but I didn't I feel like I didn't catch Chernobyl fever the way a lot of people did. <laughs> but people, you know, people really went crazy for this thing. Yes. Like, they loved it. Yeah. And I you know, in the middle of this thing, I tweeted out. I tweeted out because it was it popped into my head and I couldn't get out of my head. S- singing to the the tune of Shapoopy from the Music oh, Man. No. <laughs> I tweeted out with like little musical notes. Chernobyl, Chernobyl, the whole thing's melting down. Chernobyl, Chernobyl, your face meets on the ground, and I just you know gallows humor and and then a, a I got some pushback on it. And usually when that happens. I'm like, whatever, who cares? It's a joke, blah, blah, blah. But people were like, hey, there's uh there's actually people still alive that oh. were that lived through that. Oh. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know what? Uh, okay. The face meme. It. The face meme is well, yeah. such a that might have that might have gone too yeah. far. That might have gone too far. So, so I felt terrible about that. Well, it's a good warning for because we were recording a podcast and I, I'm assuming the same number of people are still alive since that tweet, or maybe not how many months ago was this miniseries (laughs) but we should just we should i mean this was a horrible disaster and while we do talk in we try and ingest we make light of the situation yes a number one we're trying to find somebody to blame let's be true let's let's yes uh, but there's a good amount of whistling past the graveyard that we do (laughs) that's right that's a perfect way of putting it i mean sometimes it's necessary yeah to talk about the hard stuff absolutely and this is some hard stuff this is it don't get much harder than Trudeau. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> also with us today are producer Amanda. Hi, everyone. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hello. Well, let's get started figuring out who's to blame for mm-hmm. this terrible disaster. I mean, the safety of the world is pretty much on our shoulders. Yes. And I feel like we're up to the task. Am I right? I think so. Yeah. I think between the four of us, <laughs> we got this one covered, yeah. guys. As long as Paul doesn't tweet anything. Yes. <laughs> while we're recording. <laughs> Turn your sorry. phone off. <laughs> so let's start with a step-by-step account of what happened. According to unseer.org, this is the United Nations Scientific Committee on the Effects of Atomic Radiation. So legit. Um <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to Um, most of our other facts. The accident at the Chernobyl reactor happened during an experimental test of the electrical control system as the reactor was being shut down for routine maintenance. The operators, in violation of safety regulations, had switched off important control systems and allowed the reactor, which had design flaws, to reach unstable low-power conditions. A sudden power surge caused a steam explosion that lifted the 1,000-metric-ton cover off of the top of the reactor and ruptured the pressure tubes, causing a second explosion that exposed the reactor core to the environment. Subsequently, an intense graphite fire burned for 10 days. Oh, the graphite. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. (laughs) Graphite plays a big... Big bad, big bad monster was the graphite. (laughs) Under those conditions, large releases of radioactive materials took place. The Chernobyl plant did not have the fortified containment structure common to most nuclear power plants elsewhere in the world. Within this protection, radioactive material escaped into the environment. So they were not prepared. The idea that when you're talking about nuclear power, 
that you would ever be like, eh, I know it's against regulations, but uh, let's just <laughs> shut those two off and get this done faster. Well, like, what was why? That's a great question. So the, the so they they have to do this test now. This test has been put off for about two years. Another great idea. <laughs> Uh, something I was reading was this weekend. So it happens on a Saturday morning slash Friday night, which is like the worst, right? Because everyone's wasted. I'm partying. assuming everyone's Yeah, in the Soviet Union, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, yeah. But like, yeah. <laughs> really? yeah. It's sure. 1986. There's so much vodka. They've had so yeah. much vodka at this point. Mm. And so the actual um, test was supposed to happen on Friday day. But there was like, it was like a a weekend of, uh, it was a holiday weekend. I believe it was May Day was the holiday. Mm -hmm. I don't know what May Day is. May Day is the anniversary of the Russian Revolution, I believe. Oh, okay. So a big one. It's like their 4th of July. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't want it to happen during the, they didn't want the uh, possibility of power cuts like during the day. So they are like, you have to do it after nine o'clock that night. What happens is it gets being it keeps getting pushed back and then all of a sudden the 12 p.m shift starts Mm -hmm. 12 a.m you mean i'm I'm sorry yeah yes 12 a.m yeah i'm assuming these are eight hour shifts who knows right you know you got your 12 to 8 your 8 to god i'm terrible at math 8 to Mm 6 and then your 6 to 12 right Mm -hmm. you got your bottom of their barrel people Coming in, and not just the that people who are willing to work in the middle of the night. Well, I mean, it's it's communist Russia, so like you don't really have a choice. True, yeah, because it's the tail end. Gorbachev is in power now. Gorbachev right? is in power, and so it's the tail end of the, the, Cold, War. the Cold War and um, uh, the the sort of like the the Russian projection of everything we do is bigger and better, and you know we are matchless in this, that, and the other thing. Yes, twelve a.m. shift comes in. And in this shift, the guy who's like running the, uh, you know, what do you say? Operation. The guy in charge. <laughs> yeah, the operation. He's the, not the, the head of burrito. The, the, the big, he's not the biggest burrito. <laughs> like the supervisor, essentially? Like the, yes. He's like the crew chief or whatever. Exactly. Uh, f- four more. His name is... <laughs> <laughs> shift he, captain. Oh, he also, he has a great name. No, of course. Uh, he has a legit name, which is Deputy Chief Engineer for Operations at the Energy Station, Chernobyl. And he is, his name is Anatoly Dyatlov. You might remember him from the series. He's played by Paul Ritter in oh, the I series. Oh, I remember this guy. Okay, so you remember his, you know, he's got the mustache, he's wearing the little... He's got the bushy uh, mustache. He's got the little white soda jerk hat. <laughs> yes, Doing a lot exactly. of yelling. <laughs> in what? Yeah, loves to yell. He Doing loved a lot of yelling. yelling. This he guy... loved yelling. He hasn't slept for two days. And in comes this new Cranky. shift. So he's very cranky. Why hasn't he slept for two days? Because of parties? <laughs> uh, no, he's been working. He's actually okay. been working. Um, they're trying to get this test up and running. Right. He he's like pretty much in charge of this test. I'm almost <clears> sure <throat> that the the guy who runs the whole Chernobyl station, Victor Brukhanov, is uh is sleeping and he doesn't even know that this safety test is happening mm. at the moment. I think we should just go ahead and right off the bat put the guy in charge diet, at the time. Diet love. <laughs> diet love. Yeah, yeah, diet love. <laughs> yeah. You know, at the time. He's, he's the one who decided not to sleep. He's the first guy. I have a picture of him here that I've pulled up. And so this is the real man side by side with the actor who portrayed him in Chernobyl. And he was portrayed in a not flattering light in 
Chernobyl, the yes. TV series. He in looks fact, even worse in real life. I was it, thinking the same thing. He looks like more of a dick. He wasn't the softest of them. Uh, in real life, he, he at was, the end we will decide who was the softest. Yes, involved in that life. that is yeah. That will be that will be another conclusion. So this guy Dyatlov, he's uh, responsible for overseeing the long overdue safety test on reactor number four. By the time it finally began in the early hours of April 26, he's sleep deprived ill-tempered as ever. And when the young reactor engineer, who we'll talk about next, oh, um, makes a mistake soon after taking over the controls Kids, on the midnight shift, <laughs> Dietlov <laughs> insists on continuing with the test, even though Toptonov, who's, who we'll talk, we'll talk about later, and safety protocol suggested that he stop. They suggested that they abort mission. Safety protocol plus his junior, who's the guy sort of in the trenches, doing yes. the testing, reports to our guy, Dyatlov, hey, we should stop. Yes. And overall, this is a safety test. It's a safety test. We don't need to do it. No! <laughs> we don't need to do it. They're doing it in the case that um, the Americans bomb them, right? And right. they lose electricity. They right, want right. to make sure their nuclear... They, they want to make sure what happened doesn't happen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's a great book I rented at the library. It's called Midnight in Chernobyl by Adam Sounds romantic. Higginbotham. Great name, right? <laughs> Higginbotham? Adam Higginbotham. <laughs> so Higginbotham. <laughs> he writes 400 pages. No, he's like, he's wrote a 500 page book. So the guy's smart. I got to page uh, nine. I was. I got to the nineties. <laughs> you made it to the nineties. I made it through the nineties. Yeah. She, she took it out at like four p.m. last night. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're almost a fifth the, the way through it. So in this huge book, uh, Mr. Adams says that they needed to descend the power to seven hundred and twenty megawatts. That's what's you know. Also would have been my. So, <laughs> but Dyatlov, probably assuming that a lower power level was safer, was adamant that it be conducted at a level of 200 megawatts. Now, Akimov, who is is the person underneath Dyatlov, he has a copy of the test proto protocol in his hand and is vehemently telling him that this is a mistake. Now... At 200 megawatts, Akimov knew that the reactor would, could be dangerously unstable and even harder to manage than usual. And the program for the test stipulated to be conducted at no less than 700 megawatts. But Dyatlov insisted he knew better. And Akimov just said, all right, bro, this is your ship. <laughs> so uh, I guess we're going with you. Dyatlov had a lot of opportunities to... So many. To so many. stop yeah. what he was He's doing. A, He's a proud, proud man. He's a proud, sleepy, cranky man. Yes. Yeah. Akimov is not going up on the board. He's more uh, of a hero, which we're not in the business of heroes right. here. Uh -uh. Uh, so forget I even said his name. <laughs> <laughs> but we should talk about the younger guy. So there's Dyatlov, there's Akimov, and then there's Le Leonid. Leonid? Leonid? Mm -hmm. Toptanov. Toptanov, yep. So uh, Mr. Toptanov here was the senior reactor control engineer, and he had been a senior reactor operator for just two months. <laughs> He's 25 years old, and he had never before piloted the reactor through the difficult shutdown process. Wow. He was <laughs> this is the guy. 
This is our man. 25. I know. A Ugh. baby. <clears throat> so this is him from the show. I think you'll remember him. And then yeah. in real life. So he was a very oh. sympathetic character in the show. Not that that's coloring our decisions on the alarmist. No. But <laughs> good acting doesn't get you out of it. <laughs> <laughs> he was unaware of the numerous design faults that made accidents likely during the normal co- course of operation. <sighs> newbie. Newbie. Toptonov skipped a step in the process mm. of assuming control of the reactor, accidentally allowing it, its power output to fall almost to nothing. He pressed the shutdown button of the emergency safety system and the system vulnerable to most serious of the reactor's design faults inadvertently precipitating its destruction. It was his push of the button that caused... The explosion. I mean, we could all argue that it wasn't just his push of the button. No, but he's you got to put him on the board. But Babyface has got to go up. Sorry, Babyface. <laughs> Toptonov is on the board. We also need to talk about the head of the Chernobyl plant. I think so. Victor Brockenov. Oh, yes, that guy. Con O'Neill. He's got a great face. He, I've seen him in so many British things. He's got a crazy, scratchy voice. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he's the director of the Chernobyl uh, Energy Station. This is his big, uh, his big, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Slap. What do you call it? The mark against him? The mark slap. against him. Yeah, his this big, is slap. big slap. <laughs> the big slap. <laughs> that could be a new thing. We send someone to jail and, and someone, someone gets, gets the a big, big slap. slap. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the person who's second most responsible. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, well, his big slap was <laughs> that he helped cover up a serious plant accident in 1982, four years earlier. And he signed off on the launch of the station's newest and most advanced reactor, uh, Unit 4. And even though a key required safety test hadn't been carried out, when the test was rescheduled to take place during a regular maintenance shutdown of the reactor on April 25th, 1986. So this is the guy who kept putting it off. Brukhanov's uh, deputy, a party loyalist who had learned that uh, what little he knew of nuclear physics from correspondence from a correspondence course, didn't even bother to tell his boss it was happening. I mean, this guy, he's the head honcho. Yeah. He is making all the decisions. And he also later, he kind of covered it up. I mean, as was um, sort of portrayed in the miniseries, like he really tried to cover up and not report you know he, he yes. didn't want he didn't want everyone to know how bad of a job he did right well and so he, he didn't he report it to hires up embarrassed and so the sort of evacuation was delayed and all the sort of like safety protocols were delayed because of his sort of um shame yeah about it. and not just that, not just his personal shame but because you you were not the 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 mentality of mm. the soviet union at that time that was still in play was Russia does not have disasters. We don't have mistakes. We have, you know, we built a wonderful society under communism and, you know, we don't, we don't have like the same problems that the West has because we have figured it out. So they, they, and obviously this figures into Chernobyl as well. Yeah. Now I just have to say, Paul seems to have hit on something because. <laughs> Oh, I like I, I, I like 
like his tweet, he's hit a nerve with me. <laughs> no, no, but I think we can't ignore that uh, this might have been a um, strictly Soviet Union disaster that I don't know that this would have happened in the same extreme if it had been an American nuclear power plant because of the lies, the secrecy, the suppression of information. So, I mean, are we putting the Soviet Union on the board or communism? I mean, I think we have to. Yeah, that, that's a huge part of it. And they were they were definitely putting themselves over the welfare of these citizens. Yes, they didn't want to cause an alarm, which is like, as we know, in this podcast, that's the number one thing you don't do always cause an alarm, right? <laughs> right. And they also again, it was their pride as well, because had they said anything about the reactor having exploded, then all of a sudden the world was going to look down on them. I think also their nuclear power was a point of pride in the Soviet Union yes. at the time, you know, starting back in the atomic age and with the Cold War and everything. And, and this is after Three Mile Island happened in the United States. Right, right. I don't know about what Three is Mile that? Island. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 right. I was looking at Amanda That's being like, true. maybe she knows. <laughs> Three Mile Island was a, a, a nuclear reactor uh, disaster that happened in the United States, in Pennsylvania, I believe. Um, and it was not not nearly to the extent of Chernobyl. You know, but it was uh, it was a, a nearly, from my hazy memory, like a nearly catastrophic mm. uh, thing. It, it was a it was a problem. It was not Chernobyl level, but it was like everyone knew about it, and it was I think just a handful of years before Chernobyl, and so it would have been for especially for the Soviet Union to have admitted. You know, we have we also had a nuclear reactor issue was. Not they they would have avoided anything to do it obviously right um, and they were it was a sorry just it was a partial meltdown Paul's basically exactly PMD. right uh, <laughs> partial right. meltdown that's right and it, on the seven point international nuclear event scale it rated as a five so okay pretty so high se- Chernobyl seven a Chernobyl seven, a seven which is the worst wow really yeah. Chernobyl was the, it, that and Fukushima jeez oh yeah. eight only yeah. a seven. Oh, I think I that's the worst. It, I think it's a scale of one to seven. Oh, is it it's one yeah. to seven? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all relative when you think well, about man, it. Well, <laughs> then, you did it, Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So just to catch up on the uh, – so we got up on the board Victor Brukanov. Yes. And also – Communism. Communism? Or do we want to sort of I – mean, The Soviet Union. The I think Soviet the Soviet Union, yeah. Union. So we have Victor Brukanov, who is the director – and Anatoly Dyatlov, who was like the man on the ground in charge. Yes. And then we had the underling, Leonid. Poor right. Leonid. Yes. Poor Leonid. Poor Leonid. And then who else you got? Boris Sherbina. So Mr. Sherbina. Stellan Skarsgård? Uh, right. Yes. 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 So uh, Sherbina is described, according to History.com, as a grizzled apparatchik, mm-hmm. which is a bureaucrat. I did not know this word. Mm-hmm. Apparatchik. Um, at, at the head of the USSR's uh, fuel and energy industries. Hello. <laughs> a grizzled apparatchik. <laughs> That's your type. That's my type. <laughs> so- <laughs> Every time Amanda says she has a crush, I'm like, let me guess. He's a grizzled apparatchik. <laughs> Classic. 
<laughs> so Sherbin is responsible not only for bringing the catastrophe under control, but investigating its consequence. So not only did he disregard the need for personal radiation protection, but he dismissed calls for immediate evacuation of the city of Pripyat. And uh, as the wayward opinions of panic-mongering weak- weaklings, it was not until his almost 36 hours after the toxic, you know, the, the explosion began uh, pouring uh, from the wreckage of the reactor that the city's residents were finally allowed to leave. So I did read this where they um, decided to cut off the phone lines so that people couldn't call each other and talk to each other. So word wouldn't spread. That's horrible. Which is so screwed up. And mm-hmm. I think that that Boris, you know, he's the one also putting pressure on the Chernobyl people to get more reactors up. They were actually, they were going to build a fifth reactor after this fourth one was kind of done like quickly and on the fly. Mm. So I think that we need to put Mr. Boris up Now, on Boris was also portrayed very sympathetically in the HBO miniseries. So they kind of made him, he starts out as a grizzled bureaucrat and he kind of becomes, you know, he starts to understand the science. And in the movie, he's got a character arc where he, in the TV show, he kind of becomes a good guy by the end. But it sounds like that wasn't really historically accurate. I guess it's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That's Hollywood putting its touch. We all want, we all want someone, a bad guy to turn good, right? I do. Yeah. He to me represents the Soviet Union too. Mm. Yeah. Um, in, in that way, you know, and and other things I'd love to talk about are uh, Moscow's hubris. Um, so by the end of the century, Moscow intended Chernobyl to be part of a dense network of atomic power mega complexes, each one home to up to a dozen reactors. But the labor and supply uh, problems uh, remained endemic, and the concrete was defective. Okay, this is problematic. And the men lacked power tools. I mean, a team of KGB agents and their network of informants at the plant reported a continuing series of alarming building faults. The concrete being defective is such a strange idea because concrete seems like such a simple thing. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I don't know... I don't know entirely what it's composed of. It was of. a bit soft. The yeah. concrete was a bit mushy. <laughs> they can't mushy. even get the concrete right. <laughs> it wasn't as hard. Right. So, so, yeah, well, you guys talk a little bit about the, the hu- Moscow's hubris. Like, what what does that mean to you? And is, is the idea that it was, like, kind of a rush job, that they were, they were cutting corners because they had just an arbitrary date that they wanted to meet yes. and be able to show this thing off? It's exactly. so insane. It's madness. Like, I mean, they kept putting off the safety tests for two years. Like, people knew what nuclear power was. It's so crazy <laughs> mm-hmm. that they'd be like, eh, let's cut some cords. We're going to make sure we want to have our grand opening. I mean, it's the 80s. It's not like they didn't know. Yeah. These are mm. very well-educated people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- that to me is just like this idea, you know, the wanting to get ahead, the wanting to uh, show off. And it's just really putting themselves over, like, the, the, the people, yeah. which is so um, hypocritical, mm-hmm. um, especially of them. Now we're going to talk to our guest expert, Dr. Robert Peter Gale. It was fascinating to hear his side of who he thought was to blame and to really walk us through some of the steps that led to this terrible disaster. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash alarmist. Hi, Dr. Gale. Hi. Thank you so much for being a guest uh, expert on our show. First of all, I wanted to talk about your uh, background, because from what I understand, you were actually there at Moscow's uh, hospital number six treating victims of this disaster. Is that correct? Yes, I was there for a couple of days after the accident for a couple then for a couple of years. Let me just say that I'm a uh, physician and a scientist, molecular biologist, and I'm also um, the person who deals with most of the radiation and nuclear accidents, large-scale ones that occur in the world. 
So I, I get called to these um, events. You know, shortly, a couple of days, day or two or three after the, it became clear there was an accident at Chernobyl, President Gorbachev asked me to come to Moscow. My, wow. And, and firstly, firstly to deal, well, I had known him previously, uh-huh. but uh, first, firstly to deal with the, the victims of the accident, the acute victims. Um, and that, you know, that took several months where I worked with a Soviet team, team of Soviet physicians, and I brought over a few of my colleagues from the United States and from Israel to help. But later to deal with, um, you know, some longer-term consequences. So I was initially in Moscow, as you correctly said, but eventually I wound up all over the uh, affected republics, or what were the republics, including, you know, um, Belarus and Russia and Ukraine. And this has gone on over, you know, many years now. It's now more than 30 years after the accident. Based on your, you know, experience and what you know about the disaster, if you were to get down to um, who you thought was to blame from your perspective, what would you say? We have to go back (laughs) quite a ways. Sure. We actually have to go back to the Cold War and an arms race between the United States and the Soviet Union. In, in the effort to build um, nuclear weapons, you, you need uranium or plutonium. And so um, the Soviet approach, or one of the Soviet approaches, was to develop a kind of reactor called an RBMK reactor that uh, is rather different, extremely different, than the Western reactors that we have in the sense that it's, it's gigantic in comparison and um, maybe 20 times or 30 times larger. And the reason for this RBMK reactor is that not only does it make electricity, which is the good news, but it also produces plutonium that can be used for weapons. So, you know, if we sort of start with a root cause, the root cause is the Cold War. Or maybe you could say it's the conflict between capitalism and communism. Um, but these RBMK reactors were known to have a fundamental design flaw, something that's called a positive void coefficient. But without getting lost in that, if we move past the Cold War, we can sort of say that the, the design of the RBMK react- type reactor is the next root cause And sort of we move down the line, we could sort of come to the concept of nuclear terrorism. Um, Wow. Now, the reason for saying that is that, you know, a a, a reactor, a nuclear reactor needs to be cooled. And um, there are a number of redundant systems that allow the reactor to be cooled. But at the end of the day, they hinge upon circulating water through the reactor core. And um, so, and this has also come up in the Fukushima accident. You know, we have all kinds of things. We have electricity that's produced at the plant that drives the pumps. We have electricity that comes into the plant from other, you know, um, people, uh, places on the electrical grid. And then we have diesel fuel pumps. If, if all the electricity fails, these diesel fuel pumps kick in or should kick in. Of course, they were inundated by water. Mm-hmm. by the tsunami in Fukushima. So, 
So trying to tie this all together, what the engineers were trying to do in the Chernobyl um, accident was to test the safety of that system. So by powering down the reactor, they wanted to see how long could the turbines that are spinning, how long would they continue to produce electricity? Because what if some terrorists cut off the external electrical supply to the reactors? So ironically, this was a safety test. Right. So we, we could say that the third root cause, in my opinion, was the threat of nuclear terrorism. Sort of at the end of this food chain, we come to decisions by the operators. And um, this is a common problem. You have a bunch of readouts, and human beings figure that they're smarter than the readouts from the reactor or from an airplane or something of the sort. And so they override safety, built-in safety issues, making human decisions that sometimes, you know, are great, but more often than not are wrong. Right. So that's the chain of events. Cold War, nuclear weapons, reactor design, nuclear terrorism, and then human frailty. I mean, I, I yes, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think these are four uh, major factors. If people want to understand more about these technical things, but written in a, in, in a way the public could understand uh-huh. easily, Eric Lacks and I have written a book for Knopf called Radiation, What You Need to Know, that deals with, um, not only with this accident, but it deals with radiation, which is an area where most people don't really have a, a solid grasp of what it is and what it does, and the trade-off between global warming and nuclear energy and things like that. Well, thank you so much for your work, and thank sure. you so much for talking to us today. Sure, my pleasure. Take care. Ooh, the alarm. That means we are out of time for putting people on the board, but um, I want to quickly just throw it over to Paul and ask if there's any additional people or ideas that you think should be put on the board before we get into the deliberation phase. You know what? I don't mean to blow your mind, but the United States of America. Whoa! <laughs> oh, we're overheating in in number th- the number three reactor is overheating. The graphite is popping off of the lid. Paul, why? For our part of the mm. Cold War that kept oh. this lunacy going, we had Ronald Reagan in the White House. Oh no, he's out by this point. Um, he was. Who's on? No, 86? He, yeah. yeah, I think. It, I think. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was eighty eighty eight. Um, and uh. You know, he is 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 keeping the Cold War going with a lot of tough talk from, uh, you know, from the White House. And I think it fueled this sort of um, it kept this this sort of thing going, this this uh, making Russia feel like feel like they had to prove stuff. Obviously, Russia is, is its own country and they're free to do what they want. But I don't know. I think that the the stupidity of the Cold War uh Certainly fueled uh, fueled this this sort of nonsense, and and then uh, plenty of nonsense that happened in our country too. You know. Well, I have some good news for you because according <laughs> oh. to the internet, Russia is planning its own Chernobyl series where America oh. is to blame. Yes. Oh. Oh. 
And at the center, according to the Guardian, at the center of the plot of the Russian Chernobyl is a C- American CIA plot. Whoa! So this is, seems a little conspiratorial to me. Yes, you know. But we were doing shit like that. I uh, yeah, like, that's that was true. for real. What's the CIA plot? Does it Does tell it us? It doesn't say it, but I, you know, I'm sniffing sure. out a little sabotage. Wow. <laughs> who who wrote it? Exciting. Um, Anyone the, sexy? the Russian series creator Alexei Muradov apparently considers it a source of national shame that the American series is earning so much praise. Um, oh, so this is like a reaction. Yeah, yeah this is a reaction. Nuclear reaction. Okay, so Chris, why don't you read to us what we have up on the board? Okay, for the Chernobyl disaster, the alarmist board of blame, I just came up with that, is, okay, I just have last names here. Dyatlov, who would be the sort of general manager. He's yes. the man on the ground. Of this jack-in-the-box, man on the ground. Uh, Toptonov, who's sort of like the guy in the trenches is actually push- pushing the buttons. Yeah. 25-year-old. Yeah. Been there for two months. You have Victor Brukhanov. He's the the head of the facility. The head of the facility. Yeah. Okay. Chernobyl facility. Overseer of the facility. Okay. We got the Soviet Union. Great. Lies, secrecy. (laughs) And just a, it's a, yeah. And (laughs) Boris Sherbina. Sherbina? Sherbs. Yeah. The Sherbsy, who came in late. He wasn't at, you know, uh, what's it called? The ground zero. But he came in and he made some bad decisions, possibly. And we have Moscow's hubris, and we have the United States of America. I feel like you might be able to combine the Soviet Union with Moscow's hubris. Sure. Mm, I think we can do that. I think that that's a good first step. Okay. Because I'm having a hard time thinking of what we're going to cross off the list first. I'm not. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Tell me more. You want to let the kid off? Really? I got to let him off. I got to let him off. He probably shouldn't. He probably shouldn't have been in that position. Mm-hmm. You know, he. It, it, it's there's so much that's weighing down on him, and I don't think he had the, um, the experience and the wisdom and the maturity to handle it. And I think that probably he is. Uh, if I don't even know if he's still alive. Did he? Oh, he died. He died. He, he uh, must have died pretty soon. Shortly right? after. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I. I. I think that he should be taken off. Okay. We got look. We got to take people off. I know we have to. Um, and I, 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 I do agree with you. I mean, he literally did it. He literally did it. But I think his supervisor should have been on top of that, and not just that. Absolutely. But there were other people that were crowded around there watching this safety test happen. Yes. So there were there were people from the shift before who decided to like stick around. Yeah. Someone should have said. Someone should have been alarmed mm-hmm. and said whoa 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 let me jump in <laughs> i got this now just to follow up on what happened to this guy he died with um, a month later mm-hmm. of his acute radiation poisoning mm-hmm. and in 2008 he was posthumously awarded with the th- this is kind of in poor taste the third degree order for courage <laughs> <laughs> i'm so Oof. sorry by <laughs> by the president of ukraine wow Oh, so but we don't know what to make of that um, order for courage. Right. I mean, but that that's not what's going to 
We're not going to listen to the president of Ukraine here, guys. We need to make our own decisions right. here. Yeah. We are yeah, true. We are an president. independent body. Yeah. <laughs> I know that determining this, who's wrong. This podcast has been informed a lot by the president of the Ukraine. We in the check past, in. We definitely think, check in with him. But I think in this one, I think it's definitely a conflict of interest. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think you're right. So let's take poor Leon. What's his name? Leonid. Leonid Toptenov. Lenny. All right. Lenny's out. Um, so can I just look at the board? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so still on the board is Dyatlov, uh, Brukhanov, Sherbina, um, and the uh, U.S. and the Soviet Union slash the, the the hubris of Moscow. Now, do you say Moscow or do you say Moscow? I don't know because I think I say both. (laughs) (laughs) Dare I say we can take the U.S. of A? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we're getting into eliminations, yeah. and but I think it was important that we mentioned it. That's right. And I think it's okay that we can that's, – it's been noted. At the end of the day, this is an election year, and we need a country that's united, and we couldn't possibly we can't put them in be jail. any more divided than Let's we already are. Let's not tear each other Let's apart. Let's not tear each other apart. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> So I'm voting not for, for this, not for Chernobyl. <laughs> oh, God. That's a joke. Wait, what did you say? <laughs> That's why I'm voting, voting for, for Joe. Biden. Oh, no. No, I was kidding. <laughs> kidding. Um, okay, off the list, few, US of A. So we still have four major parties up on the board. Um, I'm really having a hard time th- uh, thinking about what we're going to do. What we're going to take off next? I, I mean, Sherbina to me. That's where I was going to go next to take him off because he came he in so shirts. late in the game. Yeah. yeah, he's 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 doing the best he can to control the situation after the fact, and I don't know that you can lay all this on his feet at his feet. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. So, as far as like the sort of cover up aspect of it goes, sure, right. But in terms of the disaster itself. Yes. Right. Right. He and, caused more harm in the end, but he didn't really. And we can't blame him for the actual disaster. No. But just because we're taking him off the list doesn't mean that we think he didn't come around to like the nerd in the end. He or he did. Wait. Hang on. Let me try and say that again. <laughs> Wait. What? Just because we're not blaming him doesn't mean we. He's blameless. He's blameless. Oh, phew. That's poetry. Oh, are no. you nominating him for the big slap? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but maybe I should. Maybe that maybe he should be nominated you for know the big what? slap. I, I second. I think he should be nominated for the big All slap. All right, let's give him a big slap, Amanda. <laughs> Oh, take that. (laughs) But you're off the list. You you survived that one, (laughs) Sherbina. If I had three fingers, I'd point them at all three parties. For the listener. (laughs) She only has two fingers. No, I only have one. (laughs) If I had three three fingers, fingers, I'd point them. You can only use your index finger for blame. (laughs) We all know this. And you should see her give a big slap with those one thing. It's soft. She can't do it. Yeah. (laughs) What was that other thing we talked about? The soft award or what was? Oh, the softy award. Oh yeah, what is that? The softy award. The the little guy has to get the softy award. Yeah, yeah. yeah, We'll give it to him at the end. He was the softest. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Guys, what are we going to do here? I don't think we can cross off. Diatlov, not just yet. Oh, no. 
Brokhanov, wow. I mean, he's the guy who's like telling everyone, go faster, faster, let's get it done. And plus, at the end of the day, it's his reactor, right? I mean, it's yeah. under his name, like everything that happens. But he's also following orders from the government. Right, but if he's created a culture at the reactor, the, the reactor that he is overseeing that would allow this kind of crazy corner cutting, I mean, that's a big, that's a big part of the blame. I mean, I kind of agree. I mean, everyone always like poo poos on Diet Love because he You're was literally awesome. there. But as they say, shit trickles down, you know. And mm. well, they say it rolls downhill. Oh, does it? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to avoid shit altogether, you could say that the fish stinks from the head on down. Oh, I love that. I love that mm. one too. I think Paul's point about the culture is huge. Yeah. I mean, the, but- they push this test date back again and again and again. It just throws the whole thing off track. Hey, either do something right the right way or don't do it at all here. But I will say this, and and I I agree with that. And usually I'm always like, okay, well, we all have, we can choose for ourselves. Like, Brokhanov maybe could have been, like, chosen to say no this and we need more time for to build this properly right Mm. but again we have to remember that this is russia this is communism and if you do that it's like your your livelihood your everything you've worked so hard for is quickly taken away from you and and it's not like america where you can just build yourself back up Mm, you know, yeah. it's it's the the stakes are really high. And that was a big factor for our friend uh, Leonid. He knew he didn't know how to actually manage this uh, this reactor, but he didn't he knew that if he said I, that he wasn't going to do it, then he would get fired. And he this like comfortable life that he had built in this new city um, was going to be taken away from him. A case for this for the Soviet hubris. We're getting to the end here. So I think you guys, out of the three that are left over, need to pick who's to blame. I know. I have mine. Oh, my God. You have your heart set on something. I do. I have mine, too. <laughs> Say it at the same time. Three, two, one. The Soviet, Soviet Union. Union. Wow. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we agreed. I thought you were going to go with... Uh, Mr. Brokhanov. No, I like it all to me. It's it's that culture that caused this to happen the way that it happened, because I think without that on top of everything, there's more room for argument. There's more room for hold on a second. Let's not do this the way we're doing it. Let's take some time. You know what I mean? I think without that hanging over everything and. The fish stinks from the head on down. <laughs> I think that there would have been more chances and more uh, uh, opportunities for this to be averted. I can't agree with you more. Soviet Union, you're going to the alarmist jail. Finally. <sighs> yeah, really. The Cold I, War's over. We did it. We, <laughs> we did it. The world is a safer place because of us. I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> After the nuclear disaster, according to the World Health Organization, Chernobyl-affected populations had anxiety levels that were twice as high than non-exposed population. The United Nations Scientific Committee on the Effects of Atomic Radiation says, Although those exposed as children and the emergency and recovery workers are at increased risk of radiation-induced effects, 
The vast majority of the population need not live in fear of serious health consequences due to the radiation from the Chernobyl accident. Live Science says that after the Chernobyl disaster, reactor safety increased in East Europe as well as around the world. The remaining RBMK reactors were modified to reduce the risk in another disaster, and many international programs, including the International Atomic Energy Agency and the World Association of Nuclear Operators, were founded as a direct result of Chernobyl. The items that people left behind as they evacuated Pripyat still remain at the site. Vote for who you think is to blame by going to thealarmistpodcast.com. Follow us at the Alarmist the on Twitter, at the Alarmist Podcast on Instagram, or email us at thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Tune in next week. We're going to be talking about Megxit, the royal exit of Meghan and Harry. <sighs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.